Are you ready for the word this morning? Are you sure? You know, as I was praying for you, I had this word that just dropped in my spirit, and I feel like it is from heaven. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And I also want to, to welcome everyone online. Can we welcome our online audience? And I... My brother, Brandon, is stationed in Abilene, Texas, and he is watching this morning. I love you, Brandon, and, um, and we're going to get started. So 1 Peter chapter 2, and uh, I want to I start off with a question. Have you, have you ever experienced bad customer service before? Anybody? Oh, you live in the 21st century as well, post-COVID? Like, it, if you've ever experienced bad customer service, um, you know, just pray. Just, just wave your hands. Just pray, and, and Holy Spirit be with us, God in the service industry. Have you ever, have you ever, uh, um, this actually isn't a spiritual part, so you can stop playing uh, keys, thank you. Um, uh, have you. Have you ever experienced such bad customer service that you didn't care, like it's gotten to the point where you don't even care if you end up on YouTube? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a conscious decision now. <laughs> like if, if you're gonna ask for the manager, you're gonna be on YouTube. And so, uh, so I was at that point and um, we were, we, Alyssa and I were decided to eat out with our three kids, and we have an eight, a six, and a two-year-old. So it's wild. And let me just peep you to the, to the, to the parent game real quick. If you um, have children, you will never eat earlier in your life than when you have kids. Um, you will eat at 4.30 every night uh, so they could get into bed as early as possible so you can have your life back. Amen? They're gifts. They are gifts. That's what the Bible says, and that's what I keep telling you myself. Amen. Um, I'm kidding. They are gifts. But we, we eat early in the Klingmeyer house. And so we gathered the kids together. We didn't feel like cooking. And so we, we went to a restaurant in uh, the great city of Norfolk. And so um, we're, we're at this restaurant. And when, you, when we walked in, you know, usually there's, there's a, a, a hostess or a host that says, hey, how you doing? But we walked in and no one said hi to us. No one sat us. So we're kind of awkwardly sitting there while our kids are running around. And finally, I go up to the bartender and said, hey, man, is there, do we just sit anywhere? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and take a seat, and your, your, uh, your waitress will be with you. And I said, all right, great. So we get the kids settled in, um, and, uh, and five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes goes by, and no, no waitress. And so I go back up to the, the bartender and said, hey, man, we haven't really been served yet. Is, is, and he's like, your, your, your waitress hasn't been by? And I said, no, no, sir. And he's like, all right. So he goes in the back, hear a little ruckus in the back. And then the, the doors just fly open, boom. And then this lady walks out, rolling her eyes and sucking her teeth, right? You ever walk into an establishment and it's like, you're the interruption to their day? <laughs> like, you work here. Like, I'm paying you. And so she just, uh, and she comes over to our table. She's like, what do you want? And uh, we're like, hi. <laughs> and uh, and we're like, we'll have just waters with lids. And, uh, and and if, you, if, if it's okay with you, we'd like to order now. And she's like, it's not okay with me. And then she walked away. I don't know. You know, I'm the Norfolk campus pastor. You realize, like, like I, does, does she not know I'm from Norfolk too? And so, and so I, I am uh, uh, already, you want to talk about iron and embers. Oh, the ember has started. The spark is starting to fly. And so I, I, uh, I, I you know, she goes in the back, five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes, no water. So I go back up to the bar and say, hey, man, where's our waitress, dude? And he's like, ah, oh. and he goes in the back, and then she, 
you know, the, the, the door flies open, she's got the waters, and then she puts them down, and, and like, okay, we're ready to order. I was like, ma'am, I don't know if you know what's going on, but it, we have an eight, six, and two-year-old. We've, we've got to hurry up. And she goes, um, I'm not ready to take your orders yet, and then walks away. So now my wife, you know, she starts taking her rings off and, um, and you know, putting her hair back. And I was like, babe, don't worry, I got this. And so, um, so five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by. Finally, we take our order. And, um, and uh, it's, it's, it, we, we've now been at this restaurant for about two hours. My kids, my kids have already drawn on all of the table. Uh, they've watched every Blippy episode that you could imagine. They, yeah, we bring screens, don't judge us. And so we, we like, just, like, it was just really, at this point, like, every single, my last nerve, we're on the last, last, last nerve. And so, uh, and so um, finally, I have decided in my heart and I, don't, I, was, I was like, Holy Spirit, this is not for you. This is for me. I've already decided I'm going to tell her how, how bad of a job she is doing. And I'm gonna, I, I'm, I've already gotten to that point. And so I don't care. I don't, I don't care anymore. And so I'm waiting for her. Our food still hasn't come out yet. I'm waiting for her to come out. And uh, I'm standing there. But the thing is, there was this guy standing beside me. And I'm thinking, we're going to do the same thing, right? And so she comes out. And, uh, and I'm thinking he's going to yell at her, so I don't really have to anymore. And so I was polite, and I said, ma'am, if the food doesn't come out in five minutes, I want my money back. This has been an awful experience. And I was calm. I behaved myself. And so I'm waiting for this guy to yell at her. I'm like, get him. And, but the thing was, he, didn't, he wasn't waiting for her. He was waiting for me. And he said, hey, Pastor Jared. <laughs> oh, has that ever happened to you before? <laughs> happened to me. And he said, hey, hey, Pastor Jared, I know, I know you don't know us, um, but uh, we've been coming to Wave Church for the last couple of years, and the church has, like, absolutely changed our life, and, you know, our marriage is in trouble, and he's just going on. And the whole time I'm thinking, bro, you have no idea I was about to cuss this lady out. Amen? <laughs> and I said, bless you, brother. Amen. Leave with love and kindness, right? <laughs> But this is, now listen, I understand that the service industry has taken a hit over the last few years, so we have to have a little bit of grace for businesses. Can I get an amen? No, barely anybody said amen. Um, but but if, you, if you've ever experienced bad customer service, you can at least empathize as to why uh, we were about to lose our minds. Um, you've got little kids, we're trying to eat, we're hungry, the kids are hungry. Why? Because we live in a beautiful capitalist society that says if I pay for something, I deserve what I paid for. Why? Because we are consumers. Someone say consumers. And if, the, if the, the service is bad, then we vote with our dollars. And in fact, if the experience is awful, I can now tell the whole world how awful my experience was. Be honest. Be honest. It's a safe place. Who has ever left a Yelp review before? Anybody? Look, hands everywhere. Now be honest, every head bowed, every eye closed. Who has ever left a bad Yelp review before or a bad Google review, whatever it is, right? Hands, hands everywhere. Online, don't put the business in the comments, okay? Don't do that. Just say you've experienced it. Why? Why would we do that? Because we're consumers. And that type of thinking is so ingrained in us that it is nearly impossible to escape our daily thinking and habits. In fact, we are so immersed in beneficial transactional living that we are constantly and maybe even unconsciously asking ourselves questions to see if we will get something out of the experience. 
I want you to write this down. Consumerism, if we're not careful, can consume us. It can consume us. And this is my conviction today. To be a consumer in the marketplace is not a sin. To be a consumer in the house of God is. In fact, Jesus was not cool with humanity treating the house of God like a marketplace. And I don't think it's, it's taking too much of a leap to believe that Christians who habitually practice consumerism can maybe, just maybe, bring that posture into the church of Jesus Christ. And in turn, creating clients and an audience of fans rather than followers of Jesus. When I come to church, I am not meant to be a consumer. But what am I meant to be? I wanna answer that today. In fact, Peter tells us in his first letter to the church, if you don't know uh, who Peter is, he was one of Jesus's dirty dozen, part of the 12 disciples. He was a, a part of the inner three. And, and in fact, no one speaks in the gospels as often as Peter does, in a loud mouth, big mouth. Um, and Jesus spoke more to Peter than anyone else in scripture. But at the same time, Jesus rebuked Peter more than any other disciple, and Peter was the only disciple who had the audacity to rebuke Jesus. Jesus praised Peter more than any other disciple, but at the same time, Jesus only ever addressed one disciple as Satan, and that was your boy, Peter. Peter, Peter walked with Jesus and, and was revered among his peers, maybe above any other disciple. And I, I say all that to say this, if he wrote something on what it means to be a disciple, I'm listening. And I wanna read it. And 1 Peter is a, is a letter to the persecuted church um, dispersed throughout the ancient world. In 1 Peter 2, verse 1, it says this, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech, right? Facebook. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment, Peter writes. Now, now that you have had the taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ who is living, who's a living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for a great honor, verse five. And you are living stones, someone say living stones, that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God, as the scriptures say in verse six. I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. I don't know if there's any time to have a praise break during scripture and, and, and reading scripture, it should, it should be that anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Anyone who trusts in the living God will never be disgraced. Verse seven, yes, you who trust him recognize the honor that God has given him. For those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word and so they meet the fate that was planned for them, our culture today. Verse nine, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. Someone say priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of the darkness and do his wonderful light. What a passage. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we love you. We worship you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you have your way in this place. I pray, God, that any, any strongholds, um, any chains that were on the hearts of people as they walked in here, even during worship, they began to fall apart. I pray, God, that your voice is the loudest in this place. 
And above all else, God, if people don't know you, they'll leave knowing you. If they already know you, God, they'll leave knowing you more in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's about to go down. Now, if, if you are, are taking notes, I want you to write at the top of your page, the priesthood, the priesthood. Or for Gen Z, hi, mom, I'm a priest. Um, in this letter to the early church, Peter makes a, a transformative statement. He first tells them that what separates them from the world, and he uses specific language. He says, you are a chosen generation, a distinct group from the rest of culture. That's what we're called to be. In fact, unified with the Holy Spirit. He's actually quoting the prophet Isaiah, and this is what those reading the letter 2,000 years ago would have understood, is that just as the nation of Israel has been uh, uh, God's chosen people, all Christians have now become God's people, not by physical birth uh, 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 into the Jewish race, but by spiritual rebirth into God's family through Jesus Christ. Now, this was a big deal for Peter to proclaim being a good Jewish boy. And he goes to, on to saying, you're not just a chosen people, but you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are his holy priests. Now, what does that even mean? Are you saying that we're all Catholic now, pastor, and we get to wear black suits and white collars and, and hear people's deepest, darkest secrets in a phone booth? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. In the Old Testament, ordinary people could not approach God directly. Instead, a consecrated priest would act as a mediator between God and humanity. But when Jesus died on the cross, it changed everything. And the Bible uh, 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 describes the veil being torn. So now that we, can, we actually can come directly into God's presence without fear through the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 4.16. So then, united with Christ as the church, we as believers now join in his priestly work of reconciling God and people. In other words, we're not just a building on Great Neck Road where we check our kids in, sing songs for 15 minutes, hear an encouraging TED Talk, and go home. We are actually active participants in worship. Better yet, we're priests. We're priests. Not just me, all of us. All of us are priests. Now, there are different gifts and offices in the church, and I hold the office of Wave Church Norfolk campus pastor and our senior pastors are Stephen, Sharon, Coates. So no, you can't start moving your stuff in tomorrow. Like, no, no, I'm a priest. Like, no, you can't do that. But, but I set all of that up to say this. Our constant battle as Christians navigating the Western world is to fight this natural inclination to view church not as a consumer, but as a priest. But what the heck do priests do? That's what I wanna answer today. Is that all right? First thought is this. Priests minister to the Lord. Priests, you and me, we minister to the Lord. I find it interesting culturally that as the church, the only term that we have found fitting to call our church experience is a service. Isn't that fascinating? I don't mind the term, but the real question is, who is the service for? The Lord without a doubt ministers to us who can say yes, the Lord has ministered to you before. But did you know you also ministered to the Lord? In ancient Israel, ministering to the Lord was the role God assigned exclusively to the tribe of Levi. And this, when Peter writes about this, he knows what he's talking about. In Deuteronomy 10.8, it says, at the time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to what? To minister and to pronounce blessings in his name as they do still today. That verb to minister actually means to serve, it means to serve. 
Only the Levites were called by God to perform these rituals in the Old Testament. But Peter says the game's changed with Jesus. So we're no longer offering physical sacrifices, but spiritual ones. First Peter 2, 5, and you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you're holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. See, the priests brought the sacrifices into the tabernacle in the Old Testament, but now that tabernacle is replaced by the Christian church. And the Levitical priests who were asked to perform these sacrifices are now replaced by you and me. Those who believe and confess that Jesus is Lord. So then, what are spiritual sacrifices that allow us to minister to God? When we walk into this place, how do we minister to the Lord? What, what is our spiritual sacrifice? And the first one is this. We offer our praise and worship. That's the first one. We don't walk into the house of God and worship by accident. It's actually designed that way. Before we do anything in church, we worship God. That's what we do. Hebrews 13, 15 says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of what? Of praise. From where? The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That when we sing these songs, they're not just cool little ditties that we sing. We're actually professing who God is when we sing. When we lift our hands, we're going, we surrender to the God of the universe. You know, everyone right now has an opinion on what the church should and shouldn't do in culture. But according to scripture, the primary mission is not philanthropy, it's not kids ministry, it's not even justice. What it is, is to worship God. Above all else. But this is the kicker. As, as, as priests, we don't worship God only for us. We worship God because he's God. And this is when the, the consumer in us, like, like that movie Aliens, like, ah, starts to come out. When we, when we hear these songs, we're like, you know what? The worship was a little too loud today. I usually love the song choices, but I'm a little disappointed they didn't sing Reckless Love. It's my favorite. We should do more Maverick City. It's like, when did worship become about me? When did it become about me? And the consumer in us, it's like, it's like, it rears its ugly head, but when you walk in here, you're a priest. You don't care who's singing or what songs are we playing on Caleb's Top 40 because we're here to minister to the Lord. When we have this revelation, it actually changes our experience for the better. See, in the last 30 years, we've been taught that, that worship is about um, worshiping God for my breakthrough. That's what we've been taught. And, and, it's, 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 and, and I believe that God cares about the, the most minute details in our lives but I also believe that we are called to worship him even if we never see a breakthrough on this side of eternity. You know what's interesting? The, the most quoted scripture on worship is Acts 16. It's a passage about Paul and Silas. Um, and if you don't know the story, Paul and Silas are traveling. They're actually gonna go pray. And, uh, and this, this young uh, girl starts uh, like almost announcing them everywhere they go. And Paul discerned that she was demon-possessed. In fact, she was a slave girl, and her slave owners were Jewish, which they shouldn't have been doing anyway, but they were making money off of her. And so, uh, uh, so read the scripture. They didn't cast her, the demon out because they wanted to heal her. She was annoying them. Read the, Luke, Luke accounts for this. They were annoyed because everywhere they would go, they would go, the men of God are here, the men of God. And they were like, oh my gosh, this, this girl again. And so Paul cast the demon out, her slave owners get really upset because now she can't lie to people uh, about their future. 
um, as a fortune teller and a psychic. So, so they throw them into prison. They flog them. They beat them. Throw them in the inner cell of the prison. And uh, most of us who grew up in church would know the story. They began to worship. And then an earthquake came. Their chains broke. You know what's fascinating about that story? Is they didn't leave the jail. Read it. They actually ministered to the jailer who's going to kill himself because he's like, if, if all these prisoners leave, I'm going to die anyway. And, and Paul goes, no, 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 none of us are going to leave. He ministers to their family. They all get saved. They get baptized. And he went to court the next morning. He didn't actually break out at all. His chains broke, but he stayed in the prison. Isn't that fascinating? And we are taught uh, uh, that, that we should be worshiping God for our breakthrough, as if Paul knew that he was gonna break through, that this earthquake was gonna come. And this is my question. Do you think that they were worshiping God because they knew God would give them a breakthrough or because they knew they were gonna die and they worship God anyway? I'll say it again. Do you think they were worshiping God because they knew that that earthquake was gonna come? or because they knew they were gonna die and they worshiped God anyway. It's a powerful thought. See, I reckon this is a beautiful example of worshiping even in spite of, of what could have been the end of their ministry in their lives. So this is the thing. When we walk into this place to worship, our foundation cannot be, God, I worship you for what you can do for me. Oh, no, no, our foundation, Wave Church, is God, I worship you because you are God. Why? Because when we enter into the presence of God, we are not consumers, we are priests. Second thought is this, spiritual sacrifices, what are they? We offer our acts of love and generosity. Love and generosity. Philippians 4, 16, Paul is writing the church in Philippi, and he says, even when I was in Thessalonica, you, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you, rather I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all that I need and more, and I'm generously supplied with the gifts that you have sent uh, me with Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God. I love that. When we give and are generous for the work of the Lord, God loves it. When we are kind to our neighbors, it moves the heart of God. When we look beyond ourselves and provide for someone who is in need, when we tithe, it is a spiritual sacrifice unto God. You ever been so broke you pray over your card that it would uh, go through? Oh, I'm the Norfolk campus pastor. I'm sorry. We got a bunch of people just, Jesus, right? You, you, might not even, you might have a Baptist background, but you will speak in tongues. Just to, Lord, you ever been that broke? I, I've, when I was in college, I was so broke. I never had more than $100 in my account, and it would, the second it would go in, it would go out. And, uh, and I remember I had this aunt who's very, very generous. And every Christmas and every birthday, she would send me a check like clockwork, right? And so I knew that, that I was going to get a check soon. It was Christmas time. And I was, I was like banking on this check coming in. I had my bills were not paid. I was like praying, Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for this aunt. And, uh, and my roommates uh, in my dorm were like, hey, there's a box for you on the counter. And so I'm like, oh. Here's the check. And so I was so excited. So I, I went into uh, the, the living room, opened up this box, and, uh, and um, t it was like this tin, and I put it on uh, the table, and I was looking in the box to see if there, I didn't see a check. I was like, oh, maybe it's in the tin. I opened up the tin. And um, you know those, the, the popcorn, like the tin popcorn? 
It has butter and caramel and cheese. You know that one? It's a gift that you get for someone that you don't love. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and I'm looking, I'm like looking through the popcorn to see if there's a check somewhere. And for whatever reason, she didn't write me a check. So if you're watching today, I remember. <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, and I remember sitting, I didn't have any money. So this is how broke I was. I cried on the couch eating butter popcorn for dinner. <laughs> and caramel and cheese. I ate the whole thing, I was so hungry. Right. But you know what, I refused to not tithe. I was like, I'm, I am going, I, I'm going to honor God first with, with my first, I refused. Even if I ate popcorn crying in the living room. You know what's amazing is, um, Throughout that season in college, just being broke, I had, I had these, these little miracle things happen where one time I was sitting in my dorm and someone said, hey man, someone left a letter for you under the door and, and I, I grabbed the letter and I opened it and the letter said, hey, um, I, uh, you know, they didn't leave their name, it was anonymous, but they said, you know, the, holy, uh, the second that this money came into my hand, I felt the Holy Spirit say, give it to you. I went, huh. And I looked in it, and it was the exact money that I needed for my bills, right? I just, when you try it, it's amazing how God shows up in incredible ways. But you know, I, I, I got emotional reading it because I was, I was desperate, and it just proves that God cares about your situation. He so cares. But as I was reminded of that story in college receiving that gift, I also uh, was challenged by that person giving the gift. Because the Bible doesn't describe the person's generosity simply as an act of kindness, but of worship. Of worship. As a fragrance that pleases God. Paul was stoked to receive the gift from the church in Philippi, but he was overjoyed for the reward the church in Philippi would receive from heaven. We have to think like that as priests. Amen? Number three is this. As we offer our gifts that he has given us to use to glorify him. You know what fascinates me about gifts? is that God gives them away as he pleases. You ever meet someone that are just handy? That is not me, he did not give me that gift, all right? So I gotta call another man to do stuff in my house, you know? Like, like, I, like some people are gifted to sing, some people are gifted to dance, right? Some people are gifted to play instruments or some are gifted to athletically, some in business in the marketplace, some don't pass out when they see blood. Those are doctors and nurses. Some are, are gifted to, to fight and protect our nation no matter what your gifts are. We are called to use them for the glory of God, not just for ourselves. But what's amazing about the God that we serve is he gives these gifts freely. He will even allow us to use them for evil. But when we use them to lift up the name of Jesus, the reward is no longer carnal, but eternal. Amen? Fourth one is this, we offer our bodies. We offer our bodies as spiritual sacrifices. You know, Romans 12, one says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by mercies of God, to present your bodies as what? As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When we realize that not just our spirit, but our bodies matter to God, it changes the way we worship. A consumer says, this is my body and I can do whatever I want with it. A priest says, God, this is your body. Therefore, I honor you with it as a spiritual sacrifice. Amen? Number five, we offer and we surrender our will, our will. Just as Jesus surrendered his will to the fathers, so do we. 
The surrendering of our will is a never-ending battle. It is the hardest thing that we will do as Christians. Why? Because it confronts the consumer. You know our pride constantly wants to rule, and it's, it's a, a beautiful act of worship when we willingly crucify self and embrace the will of God for our lives. Why? Because we're priests. And these are my spiritual sacrifices. Amen? Number two is this, and the band can come on up. Number two, what, what, do, what do priests do? Priests minister to others. Priests minister, they minister to the Lord. The Lord ministers to them, and then they minister to others. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, and op- openly profess his, uh, his name. But he goes further. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. You know how we minister to others? We serve. And there is this spiritual war against servanthood in our culture right now. In fact, the very thought is being attacked in our world today because the devil knows what serving does to the soul. He knows that we serve, and when we serve, we become more like Jesus. You know, it's, uh, I got saved at 17 years old in the second floor of the epicenter um, in August 2005. And, uh, and I uh, did not know anything about the Bible. I was, I mean, I, I was passionate. I felt God called me to be a pastor at 17 years old, but I knew absolutely nothing. Full of passion, knew nothing. And I remember running up to my youth pastor going, hey man, I, I, wanna, I wanna do what you do. I wanna pastor. He said, I'll do anything, I'll serve. He goes, awesome. You know what? Youth just got put over parking lot team. And I need you to lead the parking lot team. And I was like, well, wait a second, hold on. I just, I don't know if that's my gifting. And uh, I'm kidding, I, was, I would've done anything. And I said, all right, cool. And it was the year before we knocked down the purple, anyone remember the purple wall building? When we knocked down the purple wall building and we were having a thousand services in the ministry center. And he called on me to, to be over parking right before we knocked down this building and had a thousand, I think we had eight or nine services on a weekend. I served in parking lot for all of them. And you know what's amazing is I served on the parking lot team for three years until I was 20 years old. The parking lot team changed my life. It changed my life. Man, the things that God spoke to me in that parking lot. You know, like it's like, I, I didn't know, I, I couldn't give you the, the doctrine of sin and man, but you know what I could do in the house of God to serve? Right? Just. Changed my life. Changed my life. <laughs> you know why? Because serving others in the house of God transformed me from a consumer to a priest. And when we minister to the Lord, the Lord ministers to us. Why? So we can in turn minister to others. Here's a powerful question, holy priests and priestesses. Who are you ministering to? Who are you ministering to? If we can't answer that question, 
maybe we have allowed consumerism to consume us. Who are you ministering to? And number three, and then I'm done. We're going to pray for people. Is Priests are living stones that build the church of Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you're his holy priest. This is why I love the imagery that Peter is, is painting as he writes living stones. Each stone, each brick in, in this building plays a part in holding up the structure. And there, and there are bricks at the bottom and there are bricks covered up. There are, grips, there are bricks at the, at the top that are elevated that everyone can see. Each brick is so vital. Why? Because every joint supplies. And this is my conviction today that if we approach our relationship with God and his church as consumers rather than priests, our faith will not survive the coming age. It will not survive. And look at me, you're a priest. You're a priest. But this is the thing, as, as a priest, I don't offer a, a sacrifice of praise for the forgiveness of my sins. I offer a sacrifice of praise from the Bible says that you, you are saved by grace through faith, and grace empowers my works. My works are not there so that I receive grace. You see the difference in foundation, and this is why we have so many people deconstructing right now. Their foundation was, if I could just serve God, he will bless me. No, 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 we're already blessed. Our, you don't, people don't go to hell because of their sin. They go to hell because they don't submit their lives to the lordship of Jesus. Sin has already been paid for. And so our foundation is grace. God, how could I not serve you for how good you have been to me? You received the word today? Is that all right?